beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. You might think that I would be completely unable to spend one more minute talking about friendship after the hours upon hours that I've spent discussing this topic as I have been promoting my new book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, in the last few months. And yet... When I heard about today's guest, I knew that there was more to say. Danielle Bayard Jackson is a real-life female friendship coach who helps adult women with their friendships. One of the things that I've learned over and over as I have been publicly talking about, writing about, thinking about friendship is that for so many of us, making and keeping friends as adults is hard. We think it is supposed to be easy and natural, and it's just not always. So enter Danielle. Danielle Bayer Jackson is a female friendship coach and educator who speaks nationally about the science of women's platonic connections. Her coaching business, Friend Forward, is dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain better female friendships. She's a former high school teacher, and Danielle now uses her teaching skills as an educator to coach women through common friendship conflicts. As a member of the American Sociological Association, she uses the latest research to create practical, tangible strategies to help women create more depth in their friendships. Danielle and I had the most incredible conversation about how to have hard conversations with our friends. This is a question that I've gotten a lot over the last few months. The answers aren't 100% for everyone, but Danielle gives the best 
tips and perspectives in this conversation. She talks about how to know when to let slights go, when to address it, and what to do when you need a friendship breakup. Danielle has so much grace and wisdom on these topics, and she has given us actual, literal scripts, because you know I asked her, like, what do I actually say? of what we are supposed to say when we are in a difficult friendship conflict. If we want to be less lonely, if we want enduring female friendships, then we must be able to move through conflict well. Danielle can help us all learn to do this beautifully. Towards the end of our conversation, Danielle and I both talked about the difficulties of sharing our real-life friendships publicly when we are people who talk about friendship on the internet. This sort of separate part of the conversation was reserved just for my Secret Stuff members. So if you would like to listen to that little section of this conversation and receive access to all of the other Secret Stuff perks, like twice-monthly Zoom meetings, ad-free episodes, and other exclusive bonus content, then you need to go to lauratremaine.com slash secretstuff to sign up today. I know that you are going to love this conversation with Danielle Bayard-Jackson. I gleaned so much from our conversation, and I know that you will, too. Danielle, welcome to 10 Things to Tell You. Thank you so much for for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here because you are a friendship expert, like a real one, whereas I wrote a book about friendship that was just from my own experience. And so I'm super excited to have someone who actually has like the science and the research and all of those things. To back up what we're going to talk about, I know that it's going to be like a great addition to all the friendship topics that I talk about here on the show. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good stuff. It's so great because I think a lot of what I have to share does come from experience. We know what we're talking about because we're like, I've seen it. I've been there. And I think and I think that is enough. So, so I'm so grateful for the work that you do. And I'm excited to have this conversation. Introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners if they aren't familiar with you yet, and they will be after this conversation. Just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to be in this friendship space, like really passionate about this topic. I often joke that, you know, being a friendship coach certainly wasn't on my vision board when I was 10, okay? It was not a thing. But the short version of it is I was actually a high school English teacher for six years, worked my way up to academic chair. But between classes and after school, the girls were coming to me with their friendship issues. And I had 11th and 12th graders. So these were like big girl issues, right? And so when I left the classroom and I got into public relations, I foolishly thought that I was leaving all that drama behind because I'm with these self-assured, high-achieving women. And I quickly discovered that they too, privately, are struggling with their friendship issues. So one night I went online and at the time I searched Amazon for for friendship books. At the time, there were very few results. And of the results that appeared, most of them were for children. Mm. And that's when it came to me that this is what we think of friendship. Surely a child would need support and direction, but an adult should have it figured out. And so over the past six years, I've been reading and studying any research I can get my hands on that that helps us understand women's communication, women's cooperation, and women's conflicts. Because we love in a unique way, we fight in a unique way. And I try to use the research to build strategies to help us tangibly create and maintain better female friendships. Oh my God, that's all so good. <laughs> I I'm like, especially the conflict piece, which I know is something you sort of specialize in, in your friendship coaching, because I feel like that is maybe a little bit of a gap in the work that I do as I talk about how we think about our friendships, how we see our friendships in abundance instead of scarcity. 
how we elevate the people around us that we maybe wouldn't consider friends and how that can build connection in our spirit. That's all the stuff I write about. But some of this other stuff that you're talking about, conflict, resilience, like I haven't felt qualified to speak of those things, not because I haven't had friendship conflict. I have, (laughs) but because we're all sort of stumbling through it. So can you give us maybe like some, some tips or thoughts? Because so many people, as I've been like launching my book and talking about this topic, so many people have said that they have had more friendship angst in the last few years than ever Mm -hmm. before, which makes sense, right? Like the world has been in upheaval. Our emotions have been all over the place. Our life and work and family rhythms have all changed. Mm -hmm. And so of course that's going to cause strife in our friendships. And I feel like there's so many tips out there for how to handle this in your marriage or how to handle this as a parent. And there's not very much out there about how to handle this as a friend. And so we're all just like, ah, I don't know. We're all doing the best we can. I'd love to hear your perspective on, on those like conflict resolution or noticing or any, anything in that vein. Yeah, well, first, I'm so glad that you're, you kind of under, you highlighted a lot of the factors that are kind of underscoring friendship tensions. We're becoming, I think, like more conscious and evaluative around like, okay, what's going on? I'm having changes in my life and my worldviews and who's around me. I think we're kind of all reckoning with that right now in general. There are larger conversations around connection and loneliness. So I think all together, we're like, okay, what's going on? Let me look at my circle. And yeah, there's there's a lot of chatter I'm I'm so grateful for with regard to how to make friendships and and you have such a great book right now, The Life Council, about how to have more satisfaction in your friendships by changing the way you look at, you know, the value your friends can add to your life. That's so important. And then I know another lingering question, like you said, is often like, okay, so I've got my girls, but when those tensions rise, what do I say? What do I do? Do we pretend it didn't happen? I want to bring it up, but does that make me look like I'm making a big deal? And it, it, there's all this stuff. And I think we have so much confusion around it for a couple of reasons. The first is a lot of us have downloaded mantras from when we were younger about if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Okay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to speak about it. Okay. We're also living with that fantasy of, well, if you're my friend, like I shouldn't have to say it. Like I, I shouldn't have to say it. it kills the fantasy. I want to subscribe to the idea that there's this unspoken chemistry with my girl. I anticipate conflict with my boo. I don't anticipate conflict with my friends. And so while you're in the dating journey, you kind of are entering into a new relationship with the understanding that it might end. With a friendship, we are hardly ever thinking of the end at the beginning. So it comes as a shake when 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 things don't work out because we're like, wait, what happened to all the best friends forever stuff I've been chewing on for decades, you know, growing up with my Claire's bracelet, with my best friends forever heart, you know? And so conflict's tricky. Two interesting things I've learned from the research is that while women's friendships are deeper, they are more fragile. That our friendships don't last as long as men's, that we perceive more violations than men perceive in their friendships. Now they have their own set of issues, okay? And we're less likely to reconcile after tension. When you put all that together, there's no wonder why a lot of us have friendships that ended prematurely Mm. and maybe could have saved them, but we just didn't really know what to do. So there's a lot that kind of works together to make conflict really tough for us in our friendships. And it's hard. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, 
and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U-Y-O-U. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over 5,000 distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. So any chance of me going grocery shopping and cooking a meal from scratch has gone completely out the window. Thank goodness for HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Get HelloFresh and skip time-consuming trips and long lines at the grocery store. Spend more time doing the things you love with the people that you love, all while knowing there is a quick and tasty meal to cook waiting for you in the fridge. There are over 40 weekly meals to choose from, so getting out of your recipe rut will be easy. You can customize select meals by swapping out proteins and vegetables, and now there's even an option to upgrade to organic chicken or ground beef. There are also more than just dinner recipes now. You can select from a variety of snacks and easy lunches, too. I like that my kids are old enough now to help me in the kitchen with these meals. The recipe card is easy to follow, the instructions are clear, and my middle schoolers are learning valuable skills on how to get a meal together in 30 minutes or less. Go to HelloFresh.com U16 and use code U16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh, H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H dot com slash U16. Y-O-U, then the numbers 1 and 6, for 16 free meals plus free shipping for America's number one meal kit. Now, back to the show. One thing that I say to people, and this is me just riffing, by the way, but when people are asking, you know, I think that there's something off in the friendship, you know, she sort of hurt my feelings, or I'm, I suspect I might have hurt her feelings, or whatever, I always say to people, if you suspect that something is off, it, there, it is, there probably is. 
Now, a lot of times we have mental health stuff. I have a lot of anxiety. You might have anxiety or insecurities that lie to you in a way, like kind of makes you overthink everything, or at least that's me. But in general, I do think our intuition sort of tell us if something feels a little bit off. And I know this happens with a lot of people. If there hasn't been like a very obvious transgression, what do you do? Like, are you supposed to say? Because like you said, we do have these ideas and these rules that we learned when we were young. One of the ones that I've really internalized that you didn't mention is that I don't want to be too high maintenance or I don't want to be like the drama girl. Like I don't want that to be a reputational thing about myself. And so I don't bring something up unless it's a really big deal. And in one of my friendships, the sort of breaking point, we we actually reconciled, but the, the thing that caused the biggest rift was so small And when we finally had a talk about it, we realized there had been years worth of slights that we had both been sort of stuffing down and not bringing to the table. So I feel like I'm asking you a lot of questions here. One is, when do you know if it's a a big enough slight or a big enough situation that we need to address it? And then how do we address it? Like literally, is it a text? Is it face to face? What's the script? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have two things to say. The first is not going to sound reassuring at first because it's not very tactical, but it's important. And the first, you've heard it many times before, but you have to be self-aware. So you have to know the difference between, okay, what's my stuff and what are things that I can invite her into for us to collaborate and what's going on. So if I know I'm prone to really look into things, or I know I'm prone to, you know, interpret certain things a certain way, a little prematurely, I need to know that about myself according to feedback I've received from people I love and trust. So like knowing what my stuff is before I make her responsible for all my stuff. That's that's my personal trigger, complexities, whatever coming out. So that's first of all, okay? And I'm not necessarily saying you need to co- uh, carry your stuff on your own, but being able to differentiate. Okay, I know that that's something that that I tend to do is interpret this as this and, and that that's my thing. But if you realize like, no, I, I want to invite her in because I, I feel some kind of way about what happened. I'm going to encourage you to make that known because it is going to come out some kind of way. You think you're opting to hold it in because you're not saying words. It's going to come out with you being passive aggressive. It's going to come out with you making little slick remarks. It's going to come out and you constantly complaining to your spouse about your friend. And at some point he's like, oh my God, like, just, like work it out. It's going to come out on you gossiping to other friends because you're like becoming so resentful. It's going to come out and you creating like an emotional distance and you're initiating lust. So it's going to mes- manifest itself in some kind of way. You have a choice. How would you like to do this? Mm. I think the best option might be, you know what, let me go ahead and invite her into a conversation. So the very first thing I like to encourage people to do to even like approach a tricky conversation is to start with this exercise. What is the one reason you are hesitant to have this chat? That should be your first sentence. Because it brings down the walls of defense, it shows her a little bit of vulnerability. So I might say, hey, so I wanted to mention something, but I was like so nervous to bring this up because the last thing I want is like to look like I'm being dramatic or I was hesitating to bring this up because the last thing I want is for it to be like a whole drama thing with all the girls in our friend group or the last thing I want is for us to get like awkward and pull away. But but I, I thought about it and I, I feel like it's worth mentioning. Okay. Mm. That way I'm demonstrating I'm thoughtful. I've considered my words. I'm demonstrating that I can be vulnerable. So I'm not coming to attack you. 
Okay. And I'm bringing it up because I care. I decided like, I think it might be worth mentioning. I've been careful in my consideration. The next step after letting her know about like, you know, why you're hesitating, but you're going to do it. And it also makes her less likely to do the thing. Hey, I'm hesitating because I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Right. I don't want you to be upset. So it makes her like less inclined to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to bring up the tangibles of something that transpired. So something you can point to. Hey, I noticed that when I said this the other day, you said this. I didn't know what to make of that. Like, what did you mean? I'm going to approach you with curiosity instead of an accusation. But ironically, we feel like we know our friends so well. We know exactly what her motivation was. We know what she meant. No, you said something the other day at dinner and I, I just, I wasn't sure what you meant by that. And I know I felt some kind of way. Like, what did you mean? Mm-hmm. To give her a chance to clarify, oh my God, no, 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 that wasn't about you. That was about this. Or actually, yeah, okay, I, I shouldn't have said that. You're already, I already know you're right. And then there's no need to move forward. And then I can like save myself the stress. Okay. It's also her chance to reassure you. Oh my gosh, like I should not have said that. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. It's an opportunity to have a conversation. And then you always want to close the conversation with collaboration for moving forward. Let's say she's always late or canceling plans or whatever it is. Instead of like, hey, you're like always canceling. Like you're always, I don't know, you're kind of wishy-washy. So I don't know if you're going to be there Friday. It's, hey, so what's going on? I know the last couple of times you weren't able to make it. What's going on? Like, are we going out too late? Are we meeting up too far from your house? Like, what are you thinking? what would be best moving forward, mm-hmm. okay? But generally speaking, the summative statement here is, how can I approach her with more curiosity of like to acknowledge, I don't know all that's going on. And with assuming the best intentions, because this is a person who you have a shared history of evidence that you love each other. Mm-hmm. And then finally, with the goal of reconciling, like I don't want to sit in this weirdness. How can I communicate to her as I raise this issue that I want to stay connected? I'm not coming at her. I think as much as we can do those things, I mean, we'll be better after those conversations because everybody's a little more clear on our needs, boundaries, and desires. Okay, so many things because yes, one of my core friendship philosophies is believe the best. So start these conversations from a place of believing the best about them, that they didn't intentionally hurt your feelings or they're not like, you know, trying to sabotage your plans by always canceling or whatever. We're believing the best about them because we really need them to believe the best about us Mm. when the situation is reversed. I mean, that's something I had to train myself to do because I think we can get into our head about like, you know, we get defensive or like I said, our anxieties or insecurities sort of rule the narrative. And if we have, like you just mentioned, a history of loving one another and a history of connection that unless something significant has changed, we have to have even hard conversations with that same foundation of like love. I also like what you said about sort of admitting at the top of a conversation that like you're a little bit nervous, not in a false way or anything. First of all, it's probably not false. We probably are Mm -hmm. nervous when we're starting these conversations, but just sort of saying like, hey, It sort of sets the tone for this is a little bit of sensitive information or sensitive dialogue we're about to have. And I'm nervous to do it because I care about you, like you said, but we need to do it. And also, I can, as a personality type or defense mechanism or something, come off like too strong, like come in like lecturing or something, or you know what I mean? Like really, really standing my ground or something. And that is hardly ever effective, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, okay, where's, where's all the energy coming from? Uh Yeah. And I don't want my friends to be nervous to have 
conversations with me. Like, I don't want people to walk on eggshells around me or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not that demanding or anything, but I have had to mind my own energy. Like you're saying, like, be self-aware of sort of my own energy. And I also like what you sort of said or alluded to of setting up the conversation of, we we have to have this hard conversation now, but by the end of it, we're still going to be friends. Like, I love you. We're connected. The next 30 minutes might have some real moments. (laughs) Mm-hmm. because like you said about breakups, romantic breakups, you know, sometimes if you're having a, a fight with a romantic partner, there is this thing in the back of your mind of like, at the end of this conversation, we could be breaking up or something. And that infuses a whole different level of tension. And so I guess with a romantic partner or with a friend, if you're starting the conversation of like, hey, by the end of this, we're still going to be us, but we have to do this. We have to have this hard thing. I have to say a hard thing. I need an apology. I need to offer an apology, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier said than done, though. I'm wondering what you think about the differences between slights, like we're saying, you're always late, you said something weird at dinner, and bigger issue things, like more serious transgressions. And I don't mean like obvious relationship enders, like crazy betrayals, but the like it's heavier than a slight, but it's not necessarily an ender, but there's been some real damage. Is the approach the same? Yeah. So what's interesting is there's a bit of that where we are able to manage it. Because sometimes when it becomes a sustained season long thing where you're questioning your symmetry, you're questioning, you know, how much this person adds value. Are we on the same page? Some of the things could have been maybe addressed or managed or diluted if we had raised it when it was a, a little pinch. But sometimes we do wait till it gets really big. And again, sometimes we're going to be in these big things where we're like, we're noticing our friends adopting these different world values and we start to feel like, okay, I I can't even relate to her anymore. I feel like we're growing in separate directions. And that's, you know, more painful and nuanced. But some things could be, you know, maybe managed when they are just like little, little pinches before they get bigger where we, where we do blow up and friends are like where did where did that come from you know mm-hmm. when it's bigger things yeah it is harder because there's so much at stake like we love this person they they probably are very integrated into our lives socially they know our family so we're more careful because we want to reduce harm as much as possible but if you do notice that it's something where it's like okay i feel like i don't know who this is or i feel like i don't want to invest in the friendship anymore And it's just that simple. Like it sounds maybe cold, but you're looking at all that you manage as a woman, the household, your other friends and work. And you're like, for some reason, when I balance the good against the bad, the bad outweighs the good every time. Or maybe I'm maintaining a friendship because I feel, you know, obligated that I owe it to history. And, And I'm realizing it's like really tapping on my emotional and mental reserves to keep this up. Whenever we're having a bigger conversation around letting go, I always suggest that if you're going to bring it up. I know that it's popular to do the mutual fade out. I actually believe that's fine. I think a lot of our friendships have ended because we both realize like, you call a little less, you text a little. Okay. But the key there is that it's mutual. As soon as one person has an expectation that we're going to maintain the status quo while you're secretly wanting out, I believe a conversation needs to happen to make up for that discrepancy out of like, out of respect for her. Right. Where we're like, oh, yeah, no, nothing's wrong. Or we're like dodging her calls. Now that's unfair because she's wondering what's going on. So at some point we do need to have a conversation. And I think that in that conversation, it's helpful to focus more on what you want to move toward instead of focusing on her perceived inadequacies. 
because we like to say like, hey, I, I think you're too this and it's too much and it's not enough of this. And that's like a knock to her. And even though it might be true in some sense, we're not doing it because she falls short. We're doing it because it's simply not compatible with where we're going. Mm. The subjects might be the same, but I want to leave as little damage to her out of respect for our friendship as possible. So I don't want to leave her with a complex that she's too loud, too aggressive, too annoying, too. It's just not for me anymore. And you want to do that with as much honesty and compassion and directness as you can. And I know some of us break out in a bead of sweat, even thinking about that. (laughs) The alternatives. Yeah. Right. We're like, Oh my God, please. But you know, what's funny is when we ask on the reverse, if a friend wants to let you go, what do you prefer? Do you prefer her to tell you? Do you prefer her to phase you out while she talks about it with other friends? A lot of us are like, Oh my God, just tell me so I can move on with my life and don't have me out here wondering what's going on. The same thing. It might be awkward for a moment. She might misunderstand what you're saying and, and twist it to others. She might get upset. All those things will be true. But she's got to be respectful that you are honest. You can move on. You're no longer being anxious. And there's research that suggests that friendships where we're ambivalent are more physically detrimental than friendships that are outright negative. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't be in an, an awkwardly, obviously, you know, a negative friendship. But when we're like, ah, I don't know, like, ah, I mean, I guess we'll go out, but I don't really want to go out with her. And that back and forth. The wear and tear it does on your blood pressure, on your anxiety, they found, is more harmful than with a friend who you know what you're going to expect. So you've got to make your mind up about this is this is depleting me. I think I need to move forward and do that as compassionately and directly as you can and and try your best to, to move forward with love. And And I mean, you can't really fail when you approach it that way. I mean, I like the tip of not making it about her inadequacies or her failings or her even transgressions, if there have been those, and making it about ourselves. That's sort of like the, almost the cliche, like, it's not you, it's me, but there is a kindness in that. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born Sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com, and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. I feel like you did just give us some scripts. But I'm asking because I know that listeners will want to know, like, what are some actual like phrases that you use that aren't it's not you, it's me, but are more like, I don't know, what is a loving way to say it? Yeah, totally. 
Okay, totally. Got you. So here we go. The tangibles. Everybody's like, that's nice, sweetie. Tell me what to say. Okay, <laughs> I got you. So the first thing is the the mode that you communicate this on is important. If you see her all the time and things like that and you send her an email, automatically the way it's going to be received is going to be different than if you had a face-to-face. Because if a person's so integrated in your life and then you jump to email, it's going to feel formal. It's going to feel cold. And so you need to use a mode or a method of communication that feels appropriate to the context of your relationship up front. If you're texting somebody you normally hang out with once a week and you send her a text, I can't do this anymore, it's automatically going to come off as as distant, cold, and uncaring. Yes, face-to-face is awkward, but as close to in-person as you can get, where you can communicate your earnestness in your heart and she can see all that, your verbals match your 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 nonverbal cues, you're going to want to do so she can hear you clearly and hear the love and it doesn't feel cold. So mm-hmm. I'll let you determine what feels appropriate. That's first of all. The second thing is, you know, you might want to wait until, you know, is it something where you feel like you need to raise this unprovoked or do you feel like you want to just wait until the next time she reaches out and you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. So it might be helpful to say, hey, I appreciate you always, you know, consistently reaching out to connect. I've been thinking a lot about this lately and I don't think I can maintain this friendship the way that we normally do. So for some of us, we realize we want to just decrease the frequency. We don't want to actively hang out anymore. Some of us, we can cut it all together. So this is where you can kind of let her know what to expect moving forward. She should not be left thinking, okay, so are we hanging out next week or do you just need a timeout? Whatever it is, you're going to have to make it clear for her sake. So she knows how to, to move forward and she's informed with all the information. So, you know, I appreciate you consistently reaching out. I've been thinking about it lately. I don't think I'm able to maintain this friendship anymore because I need to prioritize being in spaces where I feel a little more X, Y, Z or insert whatever I'm trying to move toward, like we mentioned earlier, as opposed to like, I just feel like it's sometimes toxic energy. We're not doing any of that. She's just going to go back and forth trying to defend herself and and combating point for point. And, And I don't know that that's productive. So you get to choose if you want to go into the details or not. But I always ask, what would be your objective? Because a lot of us like to bring our list of all the reasons why. You get to choose. I don't think there's a right or wrong, but what would be the point? Do you Mm -hmm. want to give her a chance to make amends for that? Oh, you're right. I didn't realize I was doing that. I can do better. Are you trying to go back and forth? Are you offering all the details because you feel like for your personal self, you need peace of mind and you need her to know? What's, what's been happening. So you get to choose if you want to get in the details, but you also need to make sure by the end of the message, she knows what you're moving toward. She knows if we're going to still be hanging out or you don't want to hang out at all. And then this depends on person to person. You need to give room for her to say her piece because I've coached a lot of women who they send a text and then they block her or they do it in an email and then they, because it feels really awkward to say our thing and then let her say her part because she's going to want to speak too. And so the visual of you get to say your thing and gracefully walk out probably is not going to happen. She has questions. She might have some appeals. She might want to justify. She might want to, and she gets to say that. You listen compassionately and maybe doesn't move your position, but you have a positive and, and compassionate heart posture. And, you know, you afterwards, you try to kind of wrap it up with love and you, you reinforce that moving forward. So for some people, it might be confusing that you're still sending heart emojis on her Instagram stories and still engaging. What does moving forward look like for both of us and being really clear about that? And the last thing I want to say is mentally, do not feel bad. A lot of us feel like we're being mean and we like to think of ourselves as being a good friend. 
So even when I just describe some women are going to think that feels mean. If in your heart, you know, you were fair, clear, you did it with love, a a transparency, you weren't being manipulative or, or hiding. You can still be a good friend, a good person. You are a good friend. But so many of us avoid hard conversations because we feel like it would be contradictory to our characterization as a good friend. It is an act of generosity to let her go so she can go and be in the company of people who appreciate her and they can reciprocate her love and energy. And you don't need to be in a friendship where afterwards you're wishing you didn't hang out with her. You're kind of rolling your eyes about like having spending time you're resentful. That's not fair to her. Mm. That's not fair to you. It is an act of generosity to let go of a friendship that no longer is healthy and and it doesn't detract from your character as a kind and gentle and good friend and and we have to look at that being like not a non-exclusive thing compassionate heart posture is the best phrase because that is that energy there matters so i love all that i feel like very empowered by all that what if you're the person on the receiving end of someone kindly letting you go with love, which I have been, by the way. And I have talked about my friendship breakups. I've only had one that was like truly, really devastating to me. Other friendship breakups have been what you described as like a mutual fade mm-hmm. or a natural organic sort of fade out. I've only had one that was truly like a, we are no longer friends sort of conversation. And now that I'm hearing you talk about it, I'm having some light bulb moments because that message was delivered to me via email. And we Mm -hmm. weren't email friends. So that, Mm -hmm. so now I'm thinking mode kind of mattered there. However, in retrospect, even though at the time it was really devastating, in retrospect, I have come to appreciate in the past few years of writing this book and thinking about this and talking about this, I actually have come to appreciate that she was clear about it. And it sucked, Mm -hmm. but also I didn't go through years of wondering or, or whatever, like you were saying, which would have been harder in a different way. So... Now I can, a decade on, (laughs) appreciate the delivery. So what if you're the person on the receiving end of someone letting us go with love and let's hope that they did it kindly or, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're describing, which may or may not happen, but let's just assume, how are we supposed to respond? They're trying to let us go with love, but maybe we're not feeling the love in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, like we want to defend ourselves or we want to make a jab or we want to weep. I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of ways we could we could roll with it. If this has happened to us in the past and we're trying to think, how can we handle this conversation better in the future? Or if we feel like that we might be on the cusp of this happening to us, let's try to do with the receiving end. What do you think? Like, what's some scripts there? Like, what's some actual words? Yeah, yeah, I know. Because it's going to be tempting to be like, well, let me tell you about yourself, you know, to feel better. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is, again, this sounds really broad, but it will save you maybe a lot of heartache is to be able to have the skill of regulating your emotions. And I know that sounds really simple and saying like, okay, okay, I'm upset. Hold on. Let me take a minute. Let me take a minute. Because when we feel offended, it goes to weaponizing secrets she's told us, whether to her or to other people, to find some balance, to feel justified because the pain is so deep. And we feel like a person has robbed us of our power. She has taken our choice away. I still want to be friends, but you took it from me. So there are a lot of things we might be trying to do to rebalance the scales because we feel like she robbed us of our power and and took our choice away. And that feels really jarring. So I can validate that. 
I want you to catch yourself on the things that you feel yourself impulsively doing to try to balance the scales. We might draw in third parties, maybe initially seeking validation, which is fine. You're trying to process your emotion with a friend who's a mutual friend. She knows you both. Your brain is trying to help you make sense of what's going on. I totally get all that. I think we need to catch ourselves when it goes to, we start telling her secrets or telling her about herself or what does that look like? Or if we get into the petty things of blocking and, and all those things to try to make ourselves feel better. So it's okay to say to her, I don't understand. It's okay to make appeals. Okay, but I thought that you wanted me to do this or, okay, so did I offend you? All of that's okay because your brain is trying to seek understanding and closure. So it's okay if you have questions to ask them. And it's with her in her right to say, like we said before, whether she wants to go down that path or whether she feels like she doesn't want to go down that road and she just wants to kind of end it and, and be done. So to be confused, to be angry, to be hurt and offended, to be sad, all of that is totally normal. The next step I want you to do, once you try to get your your closure and she doesn't offer it to you, maybe you have to create your own. So I often say, you know, when we get songs stuck in our head, some advice that they give to make yourself stop playing that song all day long is to close your eyes and force yourself to hear the end of the song and it'll stop. I would like to think of friendship breakups in the same way because we can rehash and rehearse and repeat all day long what we should have said. What does she mean? How can I get myself to a place of acceptance? Okay, it's done. I don't understand totally what happened. I don't know, but it's better than ruminating. Well, maybe it's from the dinner party when I said this, did I offend her then? Or maybe that it it doesn't end. So ask yourself, is the ruminating helpful? How can you get yourself to a place of, okay, it's over. What do I need to start doing to move forward? Physically, I encourage women to start integrating new routines into their life. Maybe there were hobbies you didn't pursue while you were in this friendship because there was like a certain ecosystem you guys shared the same and you found yourself kind of on autopilot. It's time for a refresh. What are those things you haven't been pursuing? Hobbies, interests, other friends you have not been nurturing because you've been so consumed by this one dynamic. So pick up new routines. Try to stop rehashing and rehearsing and repeating and ruminating. Invite new friends into your life, not to replace her. You can't ever replace her. But what connections have you been ignoring because you've been so consumed by this one singular dynamic? And then finding a way, I know it sounds corny, but I'll end with this, to identify something you can be grateful for in the friendship. And I understand how reductive that sounds, but all the research says that you're more likely to move forward without bitterness if you can find one thing that you're grateful for in the relationship. So maybe you were college friends. Maybe you can tell yourself, well, you know what? At the end of the day, I thank the Lord that I had her companionship during that season in my life because, oh, Lord knows I needed it. So I'm grateful I had a friend like her in that season. Maybe this was is what she was in my life for was to get me through because that was hard. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of us are not going to go straight to gratitude when she's like, I don't want to be your friend. There's some steps in between. But if you find yourself getting resentful, you find yourself getting obsessive on Instagram and reading the subtext of her latest post, was this about me? You find yourself posting because you're trying to subconsciously communicate a message to her. All of that, how can you get to a place of identifying gratitude and getting to a place where you can move forward instead of being so tangled up in the details of something that is done? And, and if the friendship is done, it doesn't mean you failed as a friend. It just means that this relationship is done. And those two things are not synonymous. Part of the grief of being broken up with as a friend is that you feel powerless, that like you didn't participate in the decision. You know, it's not 
sometimes, like a romantic relationship where you talked it out and you couldn't come to agreement, so you agree to break up. Sometimes that's not how friendship breakups go. That's not how romantic breakups always go either. And that is part of the grief. It can really add to the grief of like, I this decision was made for me in a way that makes you feel smaller or, you know, less of yourself. And so I I also wonder, in addition to what you're saying of like finding the gratitude or, or finding something good about the friendship is also not changing the narrative or rewriting the narrative completely, but also trying to see like that maybe she was the one that said it or made this sort of final decision, but that you were a participant in the ending of this or that it was the right decision maybe to end it, even though you hadn't let yourself, you know, she was a few steps ahead of you in the process, but that you were also a meaningful participant in the friendship and also in the friendship end, instead of just being like, well, I got broken up with, I'm a bad person, I'm annoying, I'm unlovable, no one is going to want to be besties with me again, whatever, that I think we can get in this victim spiral that might have a little bit of truth to it. Like, you know, because we're feel we're licking our wounds, we're feeling sad about it. But also if we stay there, it does become like hard to be a better friend going forward or to have some confidence in your other friendships or whatever. This is all so good. So after a friendship breakup, but what if you're in the same circle of friends yeah. or in their same community or which, I mean, look, we all, we've all had relationships change in the, in we've had to adjust, but it is awkward and it does make you self-conscious and you maybe do like want to look extra cute on the days you're going to see her. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot like an ex kind of, right? Totally. Oh my gosh. I'm rocking that new dress the next time she sees me at the PTA meeting. Okay. Yeah. Like, yes, you're not alone <laughs> in that. hundred percent. You want her to see that you're thriving. You're thriving. Never better. Never better. You know, I totally get all that. And the mutual friending is really tricky because our social networks do tend to overlap over the course of our friendship. Totally get all that. And I've actually had several sessions with women where the reason they're signing up for the call is because they want to practice what it's going to be like. They're about to see a friend they haven't seen in forever. Mm -hmm. And three quick tips on that. The very first tip is to identify what you will do when you show up because so much of what we do is reactive. A lot of our anxiety is like, okay, well, is she going to say hi to me? Is she going to be like, cool? Or is she going to like snub me? Well, what if she does this? And we're thinking about all the things in her power. We're trying to anticipate all of her choices and then figure out how we might react. That's exhausting. You might decide before you go, you know what? If and when I see her, I'm going to say hello. I'm not going to be there all day, but I'm going to do a, hey, how are you doing? Okay, well, good to see you. How's John? Okay, well, tell them I said hello. Okay, all right. Well, I'll let you go, but good to see you. Period. And I'm going to move on. It's short and sweet. It's 20 seconds. It's civil. You know, I, I was a big girl and we move on as opposed to I'm kind of reactive. She's always on my radar while we're there. I'm, al I'm always subconsciously aware of where she is in the room and not making eye contact. That is exhausting. So I like the approach of you see her, you say hello, you ask how the kids are doing and okay, well, I'll let you go ahead and work the room. I'll, I'll see you later. Okay. And you let her go. And you can keep doing that every time you guys are going to overlap. You can also let friends know what's going on and not necessarily like the details and the gossip, but I know sometimes friends don't know what role to take. Sometimes they're trying to push you guys to get back together. Sometimes they're constantly asking you questions. Have you guys talked? What are you going to do? It's okay to give them some guidance as well. Yeah. You know what? I, I really don't know what happened. I still am not sure, but I think it's run its course and I think I'm just going to move on. You know, so you can direct them because they might bring you into rumination thinking they're being helpful. 
But if you're done and every time you see friends, they want updates, they're giving advice. So direct your mutuals and how you would like this to go so they can support you accordingly. And then the final thing is to just, I always say, keep it cute, you know, meaning be as, as fair and kind as you can. And to your point, try your best not to internalize. If she snubbed you, okay, well, am I not that lovable friend? Am I not worthy? She's choosing to be with other friends. What does that say about me? You still have just as much to offer the world and to offer your future friendships, but determining a tangible plan of action might be helpful and decrease the anxiety you feel about running into this person moving forward. Yes, to all of that. Yes. Danielle, this has been so helpful and amazing. And I can just feel, I almost wish the listeners could just like see you also and that you, I can just feel your spirit and how good you are at this. And I just really appreciate you coming and talking us through this aspect of friendship that isn't spoken about candidly. We speak about it like vaguely or like in, you know, hushed terms of why a friendship ended or or all of these things we've talked about. And I just appreciate your candor and transparency and helpfulness in this conversation. No, thank you for for having me and for for intentionally facilitating a moment. For us to talk about it. And I just encourage all women to get comfortable with their relationship with conflict itself. What's your relationship with being angry? And do you have conflict aversion? And whatever those tendencies are, take a moment to think about how that's probably affecting your friendship with other women. And, and I think we all have a little bit of internal work to do there. Totally. Tell the listeners where they can find you online, uh, your podcast, your upcoming book, are we allowed to say that or no? I know, I right? Sure. It's so crazy. When I got the book deal, my, my daughter was eight months or I was eight months pregnant. And when the book comes out, she'll be two and a half. Okay? Oh, my God. So publishing, y'all. The timeline I, on publishing is no joke. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like we were in a pandemic and now we're not. Like now we're going to the beach. It's insane. But uh, yeah, all the stuff lives at betterfemalefriendships.com. And I host a weekly podcast called Friend Forward. And um, it's just been a good time. It's been a blessing to have so many women, you know, trust me to come alongside them. And we're figuring it out together. And it's been a really good time. And I appreciate having conversations like this with women like you to just further, you know, conversations about what it means to have healthy, satisfying friendships. I love it. A topic we're both very passionate about. Everyone, I will link everything that Danielle just said in the show notes so that you can find her easily. I'll tag her on Insta so that you can get there, listen to her podcast and all the things. Thanks so much, Danielle. Thank you for having me. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.